everyone, and welcome to We Universe, the game where we we our podcast has been upgraded to a game. You can now go to your local game store and purchase a copy of We Universe, the home game. You can select your character. You can play Steve or Woody or mysterious unnamed guest or what? Else? What are other game pieces? Uh, there's uh, there's two dog pieces. Yeah, it's true. There's use. Shovel Knight yeah, and there's yeah. Lord Demos. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the names of my two dogs. I'm I'm already a little slap happy and I'm saying the wrong things. We're actually a podcast. We're not a game. Each and every week we're playing a different randomly selected game from the Wii U catalog. And we are playing it and we're flicking our game pads and we're just going absolutely nuts with it. My name is Steve. Hello, Gilly. I'm Woody Siskowski. And, you know, we didn't play that much Game & Wario, but it felt like a lot of Game & Wario. There was a lot of Game & <laughs> Wario. There was a decent amount. Uh, so much so that we had to bring in uh, a little backup to kind of help us navigate through it. Uh, please welcome our special guest, Neil Crow. Hey, Will, how's it going? Hey, uh... Yeah, to everybody who didn't like the sound of my low, growly well, voice, guess well, guess I'm what? Back. I'm back again. <laughs> That's the spirit. Nothing like antagonizing the listeners with my high, nasally voice. Everyone, no, he's no. Going nobody, a, he's doing a heel yeah, turn. Nobody likes their podcasting voice. That's just a fact, except probably, I, I you, like well, mine. Steve, you have a great voice. It's, well, the, you have one of likewise the few, to you guys. You have one of like, the few voices that sounds better uh, recorded than in person. It's, it's yeah. a weird thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. in person, I just sound like really, it's, it's, like, a, it's like high-pitched Danny yeah, you're like a real right. Jaleel White. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Actually, I, Jaleel exactly. White probably has a very nice, pleasing voice oh, in person. Oh, in real life, he sounds like Stefan Urkel. Yeah. All right. Now, yeah, so that's that's pretty slick. Uh, this, what if uh, Jaleel week... White was Barry White's son? But like... Ooh. Ooh. Can we look into that? I mean, Barry White got around. I mean, I, I, I mean, he had to... How could he not have? Uh, this week, we are not talking about Barry White, shockingly. We're talking about a game called Game and Wario. And I'm very excited about that because I love any chance to talk about Wario, Nintendo's weird little bastard stepchild. Uh, it's always a, a good time. But Neil, you requested to be on this episode specifically. Why did you want to talk about Game & Wario? Simple. I'm a very huge fan of this whole series, like from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, and this is like one of the best games to play on like a handheld and a portable system because it's the perfect way to pl waste time, whether it's like... Yeah. 30 minutes or 30 seconds. That's how they advertise all media nowadays. That's actually the tagline, new tagline for our podcast. The perfect way to waste time. It's an excellent way to waste time. And uh, Woody, we're a game now. Please get it right. Oh, my God. We are not a podcast anymore. We're a game. Uh, I mean, I think maybe I just got overwhelmed by just how many games are in this one game. There's just so much to game with. In the the game. word game just was poured over us like maple syrup over a hot steaming pan of pancakes. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so wh why don't we just jump in and talk a little bit about a little guy named or Wario. A big guy, because, a big guy uh, with a, a big oh, little yeah. guy. Helmet, big glasses. Big yeah. grin, big nose, big mustache. America's sexual dynamo. <laughs> uh, a little guy named Wario who... I don't think has come up on our shows before, except on like he was in Mario Tennis. Mario Parties. Mario Parties, he shows up, but like we haven't played a Wario focused game since we've done this show. And there are a few of them and they're pretty weird, like pretty universally. It might weird. have been I think the N sixty four would have been right around the time before they decided to make Wario his own sort of series. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, this yeah, that that was around uh, the mid nineties when they kind of started doing that. Like the Nintendo uh, Wario is kind of where Nintendo lets their freak flag fly. This is where they they get weird and experimental and uh, sometimes kind of dark and demented. And 
and I'm here for it. Um, so yeah, Wario was introduced as a character in Game Boy's uh, Super Mario Land Two: Six Golden Coins as the uh, as the heavy, and he's he's the anti Mario. You know, he's, he's wears a W instead of an M, and I forget the etymology exactly. I think the the prefix wa like means like bad in Japanese. Like, and yeah. that's where that comes from. Like it works over here just because you can say, oh, it's just inverted. So he's just the anti Mario. But yeah. yeah, I think that's, is that right? Yeah, I think so. And that's why Waluigi is named Waluigi because mm-hmm. he's literally evil Luigi. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so it, it works. I mean, the character proved to be a standout, like from the early going, I remember he faced, uh, favored, uh, excuse me, he featured very heavily in the advertisements for Six Golden Coins, and like they were hyping him up as like the next big character. I think what I like about Wario, I mean, even though it seems like the laziest thing ever to just be like, ah, oh, he's evil Wario, but I don't know if that that's kind of doing him a disservice because he did have actually a fairly fleshed out personality right when they created him. Like for we've been playing the Metroid games for the Patreon episodes, and like for how often they lean on like Dark Samus, mm-hmm. which like Dark Samus is super lazy like as an idea it's like oh it's samus but like shadow form yeah they might as well put a goatee yeah exactly he'll twist it pair it up but um i like wario because he does kind of embody a lot of the traits that mario does not like i feel like mario's trademark is he's just totally selfless always like putting himself at risk to rescue others and wario is just like the antithesis of that he's like how can I make money? How can I take advantage of Mario's goodness? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he's yeah. I, he's kind of evolved to being less of like a nemesis to Mario and more of like the the Daffy to his bugs, the yeah. the Donald to his Mickey. You know, more of a he's definitely more of an anti-hero. Yeah, his, his whole his sole motivation is greed, but he sometimes does good things though. Again, not, not out of the goodness of his heart. Not out of the goodness of his heart. Right, exactly. Yeah, he just, he, as long as it forwards his own goals in the end. And then, and Waluigi's just a pervert. Sure, we well, I mean, Waluigi yeah. was pretty lazy. Like, he, he, all his personality has been placed on him by weird subcultures of the internet more than actually, like, right. coming from itself. He's never, He's never yeah, it, that's the thing. Like, I, we're not going to have, like, a year of Waluigi, I don't think, uh, unless that's what 2020 was, and that's why it was <laughs> all so bad, because of his conniving. Oh, damn it. That almost makes too much sense. Uh, yeah, I'm starting to wonder. I'm starting to wonder, who did we vote for here? Uh... So the, the character proved to be popular enough that he effectively hijacked the handheld Mario series. So the sequel was Wario Land colon Super Mario Land 3. So he even took over the title, became the playable character, and is put front and center. Uh, and that game is more of a straight-up platformer. But by Wario Land 2, they would find a very weird new direction to go with the character. And that is, he is now immortal. That's his bit, is that yeah. he can't die. Not only can he not die, he can't feel pain. And it, so it becomes a weird, like, puzzle platformer where, like, say, you know, you need to get through this wooden door and there's no way to break through it. Well, you need to go catch Wario on fire because he can't feel it, and then he'll just run through it. So it's just about inflicting various damages on a nerve, nerve-deadened nerve Wario and forcing him to run through walls. Uh, and they're fun. Like, they're fun little games. They're really Yeah, weird. they're very clever. I think that they work because... You're essentially like to release a Mario Land game, which at this point would have been like 1996. Yeah, um, is a is a pretty tough sell of like, yeah, this is like a NES equivalent Mario game, and so to be able to give them a completely different thing that worked on the Game Boy but still felt like its own unique thing was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. 
I think by the time they got to Wario Land 4 on the Game Boy Advance, we were talking about that on our Patreon show because Wario Land 4 uses the same game engine as Metroid Zero Mission. Like, weirdly. Like, Wario Land 4 is a Metroidvania-style game that still uses some of the same kind of, like, immortality-style platforming. Hmm. Uh, But it was around 2003 that uh, the character took a really strange turn with a game called WarioWare Incorporated Mega Micro Games dollar sign for the S on the end there. And uh, if that title sounds like nonsense, then it's in keeping with the game because uh, WarioWare is a delightful bit of completely crazy nonsense. It's it's redefining the minigame compilation idea in a really gonzo way where it's not just mini games it's micro games every sec every game lasts five seconds or less you have that much time to like figure out what the rules are and then execute it before you die it proved to be uh, a crazy addictive blend like like this these weirdo like anime characters and this rapid gameplay that like hundreds of little mini games on your one cart like i was very addicted to warrior wear oh yeah definitely it's like I've heard in the early days that on, in an episode of like Electronic Gaming Monthly that was compared to like video game crack. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, it it, it was that too. I mean, they had a uh, a Doctor Mar Doctor Wario like full game in there too. That yeah, I remember it, just devoting a lot of time to. I think that the reason that that game works so well is because it essentially like it it, it captures like a weird thing that other games don't capture of like somehow it puts this totally sweet spot into figuring out what the hell is going on whereas most games they try to establish that and then you actually learn the game here you're constantly just going through that feeling of oh my gosh what's next oh my gosh what's next and i feel like it's complemented so well by having like constantly changing art styles between them which is always fun and the very just sort of very strange surreal stuff um really always keeps you on your toes and there's like I don't know, there's totally a sweet spot for the games because some of them you would play and not have any idea what was going on and that would be a little frustrating. But Or sometimes you would... But they come back around. That's the great thing. It's like you didn't figure out this time, but they if you do happen to miss it, they'll come back around as you're playing through. And uh, it, it was just a really innovative idea and i liked that they kind of blended this body humor with like a little bit of nintendo history like there were some levels based on classic nes games while others had you like waxing your butt or stuff like that like yeah the the most infamous one or famous one rather is a one where you stick your n- finger up yeah. your nose <laughs> yeah there's, there's been games like that in pretty much every single warioware game oh yeah one word description that's just yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. And it, you just have to kind of quickly figure it out. And this game wound up being kind of a sleeper hit on the Game Boy Advance. I don't think they intended for it to even be get as big as it was. And then for a couple of years after that, WarioWare was kind of that, that was the game they would trot out to introduce new technology. Yeah. Like this is uh, OK. WarioWare Twisted has a gyroscope built in. And then WarioWare Smooth Moves is showing you what the Wii can do. And, and so like the premise behind all these games is Wario in his ever growing quest for riches because he's a true American oh, yeah. um, decides that video games are the next way to make money. And you know what? He's not wrong. <laughs> and he figures, oh, if I can just make games for very, very cheap, people will buy them and I will make lots of money again. And it's a weird kind of meta commentary on Nintendo, like just kind of making fun of the gaming industry too, which is uh, just an extra like, layer. Oh my gosh, suckers will buy these games. <laughs> we can make a game about picking your nose and people will line up. Yeah, it's funny that every game he like 
has his all his friends help make him help him make these games for him and he tries to sell them all and try to make off with all the money at yeah. the end. Yeah, every time, every game, he's always trying to screw them Very over. much like a Wile E. Coyote type, where at the end he sort of gets shot across the canyon or something and oh, winds yeah. up in ash. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so they kept that series going for quite a while. It's been a little dead for a bit. Game and Wario Gold was the last major release we got. And that one was in a lot of ways the most sensible conclusion of WarioWare. Because it was like a greatest hits. Yeah, it was like a greatest hits. And it was cool because they, since it was on the 3DS, they were able to incorporate a lot of the different styles. It had a gyroscope. You could press the button. You could use a stylus or some of them you could even blow into the mic, I think. Yeah. Um, And so... The other, you know, ones where there was all you were doing was tapping, like for the DS, would get, I think, a little old. Yeah. And so to mix up these gameplay styles is a cool, unique experience. No, it really, no, it really is. But we did get an announcement just this morning, as of when we're recording this, that there is going to be a new WarioWare game. And it's called Get It Together. WarioWare Get It Together. It's hitting the Switch on September 10th. And from what I could gather from the E3 footage, it's going to be more co-op focused, but it is back to like the micro game format that this game, as we'll we'll get to shortly, kind of deviates from. Uh, but yeah, it's back to the micro game, and it's also bringing in co op, and it lets you cycle between characters too. It looks like so, yeah, it's like different yeah. characters were controlled differently, which I have mixed feelings about because I think a lot of the I mean we'll see how like different actually different characters are because yeah. to me a lot of the appeal about this game, especially if you would have a multiplayer mode is that it's easily accessible and easy to explain. And if you have like, oh, this character controls like that and that one controls like that, it could kind of get in the way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I like... This game is also in an awkward... All these games are in an awkward position, um, which we will get into as well, um, because they kind of are conducive to multiplayer as an idea. Because the idea of having these very simple games that you just swap through seems very fun from a multiplayer perspective. But since the foundation of them is like on handhelds and most of the games also came out on handhelds, that's not a very conducive multiplayer system. Right. Um, yeah. And so this this one, uh, I think, really demonstrates that because there's like more single player content in this than multiplayer. But yeah. I had much more fun with the multiplayer. Yeah. Uh, so a few other Wario games that they, they, they weren't all WarioWare, but I think those are the ones that people paid attention to. There was uh, Wario World, which was a treasure game, weirdly. Like, very randomly, it was kind of a treasure 3D platformer. I've never played that one. It's not great. No. No. It, it, that, maybe that's... Was yeah, fun, no, it's but, fun, yeah. but, like, based on the high standards of, like, this is a game by treasure. Yeah, the, make- yeah, the makers of Gunstar Heroes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they also did one called Wario Land Shake It, or Wario, or Wario Land Shake It, I think, yeah, where yeah, that, that was, was a Wii platformer. It had a really nice kind of 2D pixel art uh, art style, but I never played it. It wasn't really pixel, but it was very high def, almost animated looking art style. Yeah, almost like uh, yeah, almost yeah. like Paper Mario style without the like cutout things on there. Yeah. But, you know, Wario games are always pretty entertaining, and he was canonized. I, I think that you call it can being canonized if you're put in Smash Brothers at this point. You're like, yeah. you're one of the gaming royalty. He was put in with Smash Brothers Brawl on the One Wii. of the weirder Smash Brothers characters. Such a weird character. I almost never no, plays him. No, he's got him. bizarre abilities. He's like, definitely required. He's like, okay, I'm going to pull a motorcycle out of nowhere and then eat it yeah. to power up my farts. <laughs> like, it's like... This is Why not a not? yeah. This is not a gameplay mechanic I'm familiar with. Yeah. Also, very weird. Like I don't know where eating his motorcycle came as one of his trademarks. I don't remember that being a thing. I mean, I know he's like greedy and like kind of gluttonous, but uh, 
Yeah, and he does have one of the best, my favorite stages in Smash Brothers, which is the WarioWare stage where it's constantly changing on you and you yeah, have to adapt. There's also I, a stage that I think is an homage to one of the levels in this game, isn't there? Where your mom will like come into the bedroom and... Oh, yeah, oh, yeah the gamer yeah. stage. Yeah, you cycle through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the ones you go to. It's it's really cool. Um, yeah, but he's, he's a weird character. He's one of those, like, uh, in Smash Brothers, like, certain people are incredibly good at Jigglypuff. But it feels like such a weird character most of the time. Most of his yeah. moves just are just like defensive or falling asleep. But if you crack the code with that character, you can like. Have we own. ever? Has Nintendo ever explained what the hell is going on with Jigglypuff's down B, where she simply falls asleep and like launches you far distances? Like it's, it's so weird because it, it's isn't the move essentially to restore health? Yeah. But if you do it at the exact right time, it'll send somebody. It'll, it's like an instant yeah, KO. Yeah, it doesn't restore health in Smash Brothers. It's just only an attack. But like oh, the, the move equivalent in Pokemon is to restore health. It's just very weird. So strange. Yeah, such a strange character. Anyway, we went on Smash Brothers corner there. But a uh, little bit about the development of this game. Well, let's talk about this game, actually. This is called Game & Wario. It was released June 23rd, 2013. Not a launch game for once. Uh, developed by Intelligent Systems and published by Nintendo, and it is a Wii U exclusive. And also, I would argue, one of the few games that I think is definitely going to stay on the Wii U. Yeah. Um, it's built specific, like Nintendo Land, it's built very specifically around the Wii U hardware, and so it would be pretty hard to port this over to the Switch. Yeah, so, no uh, yeah, or yeah. No yeah, I wouldn't want to do it. I wouldn't want to play it on that system. Uh, yeah, so a little bit about this game. This was this could have been our Nintendo Land. Yeah, as similar as it is, this could have been the launch game on the Wii U. When it was originally conceived, Game Warrior was going to be the pack-in game with the Wii U console, which kind of would have instantly made it one of the best-selling games on the system. Because uh, kind of like Nintendo Land, it's meant to be sort of a tech demo. It's meant to show off the different features of the Wii U. Uh, I think ultimately Nintendo decided to postpone this game and release it as a standalone title, I imagine it's because Wario, for all of his cult fan base, is not a system mover on his own. Like, Wario is for insider nerds who like really dark, weird, uh, uh, kind of outre stuff. And uh, I don't think seeing that face of a villainous character like splattered all over your your Wii U console is really going to move it. Yeah, that big, uh, that giant, evil, toothy grin of his. Yeah, that big twisted mustache. And I, I mean, I do think like Nintendo Land makes a lot more sense because it's like no matter what you're, you you just have to be into Nintendo. And oh, yeah. considering that you're looking at buying a Wii U, you that's probably something they can sell you on. Probably. It's like yeah. you like Nintendo, right? Well, yeah, I'm gonna buy your console. <laughs> we'll call this one Nintendo Land. You'll have to get it. So I, I do suspect, excuse me, after playing this game, that there was a lot of crossover in the development because Intelligent Systems is the kind of the the, the A team at Nintendo, like the internal A team. And uh, I think they were developing Nintendo Land at the same time. So I think I think this game is made up largely of cast offs from that game. I or wouldn't even say like cast offs, but I, you almost feel like, cause I think Nintendo land had about 12 mini games too, something around there. Yeah. And you almost feel like they could have just been designing all of these mini games with no like thematic material attached to it. Just yeah. like the core mechanics of the game and put them all sort of in a big hat and just like, okay, this pile goes in game and Wario, this pile goes in Nintendo land and just sort of pulled them out right. and just skinned them 
whatever they landed into because I, like I, I think they so. really have a lot of similar feels. I don't there was none that felt like it was a total rehash of one in the other game, which was no. surprising. I was surprised by that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's it's with an interesting kind of take on it. I mean, you'll notice if you read the title, uh Game and Wario that they dropped the where. And that's because this is not a WarioWare game. This is not a micro game collection. This is more of a standard mini game collection, which I think puts some people off of this game when it came out. I remember this game got kind of bad reviews and it had kind of a bad reputation. And uh, spoiler alert, I like this game a lot. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, I thought it was delightful. I mean, I but, do, uh, I do think that's fair. Like, because if we think about, oh, what is neat about WarioWare and these yeah. Wario games, it is like the micro games is kind of the cell because that's the only series in existence that does that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And whereas there's tons of mini game collections, and especially like. We're going to be playing a few more pretty much exactly like this, ripping off it, yeah. Got your Wii U with Nintendo Land, yeah. and then, like, the next game you get is Game & Wario, and you're like, oh, this is kind of just more of this. Right, I, right. I could yeah. see that being disappointing. Uh, so, I mean, we'll... we'll. Uh, I, I think the longer format kind of suits the game, but I think you will be a little put off if that's what you've... Not That's not what you're expecting from Wario. Right, because this game would be crazy if the games were five seconds, and they're like, quick! Turn the Weebo or turn the turn the, well, the, the gamepad, game yeah, and yeah. Like you know, now you're sliding on it. Now you're it takes, looking at it in first person. Like your brain, you just couldn't process it that. No, no, it takes a little bit more to process because you're doing some kind of weird. Though I will stuff. say, it's a shame. Like one of my favorite things in all of the WarioWare games is like the last level. They'll have like remix levels where it will like mix all the categories together. Yes, and it, I, it would be neat if there was one of those in this game just for like all the like wild mixing up of the different modes. Yeah. That might have been cool. Yeah. Yeah. They could have ported that over from Nintendo land because they had that kind of tour, that park tour mode where you basically just do everything. So this game is divided into 16 mini games of those 12 are single player only. And only four of them are multiplayer. Well, some of the single player games were multiplayer. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Some, some have one. Or I two. didn't understand. That was really weird. Did you know how that worked? You know, like we would click on the single player and then click on the mini game and down the bottom, it said one or two players, but there was never an option to set a second player. And is it just hand the game bad back and forth and draw it lines? Was, it was only because we were playing it for the first it was only because we were playing it for the first time. Mm, okay. I mean, maybe if you play it again, you'll get the second player option. It, it was. It's an odd choice. The The big difference between this game and Nintendo Land is that Nintendo Land lets you use four Wiimotes in addition to the gamepad for, like, on-the-couch multiplayer. And this game only lets you use the gamepad. So you're going to have to do a lot of, like, passing the console back and forth, which I initially thought, like, how the hell is this going to work? And uh, we'll get to the multiplayer games in a minute, they but like they they pulled them off. Yeah. They pulled this off. Like I was genuinely surprised. Uh, so I want to list off the names of the titles here, and then we'll kind of break them down one by one. But I am I want to list them all because I do suspect that uh, doing so will uh, uh, activate a lot of Winter Soldiers, and I kind of want to do and that. And before you do that, I want to just dictate like the way the single player mode works in this is you have to play them in order. Yeah. Um, and you can only unlock the next game by beating the one before it, but you beat a fairly easy version of the game that'll only take you a few minutes. Yeah. And then you can go back and play harder difficulties in other levels. So, like, we actually beat, quote-unquote, beat this game, it but it's obviously one that encourages you to go back. The full list of games here are Arrow, Shutter, Ski, Patchwork, Kung Fu, Gamer, Design, 
Ashley, Taxi, Pirates, Bowling, Bird, Disco, Fruit, Islands, Sketch. I You reading those out made me realize this game has really lame minigame names. It kind of does. Well, here's here's the thing that they're going for. And I don't know if I necessarily understand the aesthetic that they chose, but they're kind of paying homage to the Game & Watch, which is a system that existed long before any of the Wii U's target audience was bored. Yeah. It's a stretch, but like that that's the same thing. It's like a Game & Watch was like Octopus, Parachute, like single title names, yeah. very simple mini games. Yeah, I remember those. I, I actually saw and actually got those when I was like a little kid way back in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. I've got a few. I think I've got a Donkey Kong 2 somewhere around here. And Also, speaking of which, just, just today also on E3, Nintendo announced a new like Legend of Zelda Game & Watch system that has like th- the first three Zelda games on it, plus like a Link version of Vermin. Yeah. For, I have a couple questions. I know this is totally unrelated to anything, but one, what the hell is Vermin? It's an old Game & Watch game where it's kind of like whack-a-mole. You just move a guy side to side, and when a mole comes up to a certain hole, he'll whack it if he's in the right oh, position. Oh, okay, yep, that yeah, game thing about. If you, if you know, if you know Mr. Mr. Game & Watch from, uh, from, uh, from Smash, Smash Brothers, Brothers, you see him like, break out that hammer, that's, that's, yeah. from, that's from Vermin. Two, that thing yeah. seems sweet. It seems yeah. kind of cool. There, there's one I, I saw the Mario one in stores. Oh, like I didn't they, even know that existed. Yeah, there, yeah there's, there's a, a, there's a, a Mario, Mario game watching now a Zelda one coming. It's like a throwback console, but you can actually. What does the play? Mario one have on it? It just has the first Super Mario Brothers game, but also like the name says, it also works as like a clock. Oh, sure, because we don't carry one of those around in our. It's true. Yeah. That was, that, that's funny to think that was like a draw. Like it's a game and it's a watch. You know how you're always carrying games in your pocket. Well, what if, but you desperately need to know what time it is. Especially in 1979. What are you doing? You're carrying your Atari 2600 around in a backpack or something? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I want to break these down from game by game. Let's, let's, let's start with uh, Arrow. First game in order. Uh, this game, you lay your gamepad on its side. It was immediately reminiscent of like the Ninja Throwing Star game from yeah, Nintendo yeah, Land. Yeah. That, that's that's kind of what I thought of. And you have arrows that are tipped with Wario's nose, uh, <laughs> and you need to shoot them at little robot versions of himself. If they get close enough to you, they'll climb onto your gamepad, and you have to tap them well, to shake them off. They'll steal your something. So steal your strawberries. Steal, steal your sunshine. Sure. This all yeah. this all tracks, right? You it should, does. You should just repeat what you said. You shoot Mario's nose-themed arrows at miniature versions of himself to prevent them from stealing your strawberries. I feel like it was all based on some dream. Yeah, that's just. true. Yeah. It's like Mario wakes up. It's like, oh, that's a fever dream. I got to write that down. <laughs> I have to I stop eating candy before bed. Why am I a vampire now? <laughs> I don't know. That actually would be a good premise for a game of like a sort of Wario in different outfits. Uh, and like he's because you can make him like give him evil outfits mm-hmm. like Vampire Wario. I feel like is a pretty good idea. Isn't there? Oh, I, I feel like there was one. Yeah, I think there is like a DS. There's a DS game. Yeah. Master of Disguise. That's it. Wario Master of Disguise. Oh, my God. You just pitched a game that like probably works already. And it's yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, but Arrow, yeah, uh, uh, the aiming mechanics I thought worked pretty well. Yeah, Once physically you, move the gamepad to aim. You have, you have to get yeah. used to it a little bit. Uh, I like that you can uh, you double tap on the nose arrowhead to make it like with pepper. You you pepper their nose to make it like a more explosive shot, and you can hit little landmines uh, to knock out several of them. It encourages like a combo mechanic. It's like if you shoot one mini, it'll knock back and knock out the other ones. You yeah. can shoot a landmine for extra points. 
it was a good opening game because I feel like uh, it's it's making you use the gamepad in the weirdest way uh, of any of these so far. So I think it's a good way to start out, and it's more action-oriented and things like that. So so it kind of works better. Um, now, Neil was very good at Arrow. Like, we were we were struggling a little bit to get caught at Arrow. You were very good with Arrow. Huh. You're very, yeah. you're, you were good with, you were better than us with most of these. Yeah, I played this game a lot. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm, I'm a bit better. This was one of the early, your earlier Wii U, because I remember you being a pretty early Wii U adopter. Yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah, I remember we came over and played this game with you. Oh, okay. So you've been an early evangelist for this one. That's that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Arrow's pretty fun. Uh, not a whole lot to say about it, but I enjoyed it. Um, Shutter is the next one, and this one's kind of clever. This is you use the gamepad as a camera, and you're tasked with taking photographs of four cri- or five criminals. You're given photos of criminals, and then you're shown a scene, kind of like Hitchcock's Rear Window. You're looking out a window onto a, a busy city street. Like those awesome Super Nintendo or NES Where's Waldo video game. Oh, everyone's oh, yeah. favorite Where's Waldo video game. Yeah, yeah, the the best. That's what we're doing next on the Patreon, right? The Where's Waldo series. <laughs> we're going to run the whole Where's Waldo series. We're going to finally definitively answer, where is Waldo? He's on our Patreon. We're going to find him. No, we're really not going to do that. Please continue giving us money. Um yeah, this one was pretty fun because you're, you're given uh, kind of a description of what the character looks like, and then you just need to search for them in the background, right? This reveals kind of the, ma- I would say, the most commonly used mechanic in this game, which is look up on the TV and down at the gamepad at the same time. Because the TV, you're seeing the whole space. Yeah. Um, so you can pick out where the actual people you need to take a picture of are, but then the camera has a very powerful zoom and, like, one of the characters, like, Neil picked him out with his eagle eyes, but one of the characters yeah. was, like, way far back, though. You could barely see him a on the... swan boat. Yeah, you yeah. could barely see him on the TV, but then you were able to zoom in, use the camera, and get him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- uh, this, this one was, one was clever. Uh, it reminded yeah, me yeah. a lot of, like, silent scope in the arcades, where yeah, you uh, there's the light gun, and you have to put your eye up against it and get very zoomed in. I loved those games yeah. so much. Like, I always just use sniper rifles in every game, just because of that, even if it makes <laughs> no sense. Yeah, this game always made me think that Nintendo wasted an opportunity by not making a Pokemon Snap game for the Wii U. Because it, it seems yeah. to work so well. It would have. Yeah, it really would have. I mean, the new Pokemon Snap on Switch kind of is a proof of concept, but it could have worked like a full generation earlier. Yeah, it's a shame that they never went that route. Uh, what else was I going to say about this one? Oh, just that like the looking back and forth between the screens. I think if... I think normally that would annoy me. Like, I think that's been a problem we've had uh, with other Wii U games so far. It's like, oh, I got to look down at the map now. I got to reorient myself on the big screen. And, um, you know, but I think the disorientation is kind of the point here, uh, which they're, they're weaponizing the the confusion and the dissonance. And I feel of, like it worked okay for this game because this is a, you get like three minutes and it's kind of, it's not like a frantic game. It's like line up your shot and get like a nice clean picture where the person is not blinking or right. isn't too far away. And we did play a game later that was more frantic of looking back and forth, and I did not like it there. Yeah. yeah. So I feel I, I didn't mind it here. The most, I, I would say the simplest game in uh, concept and execution is ski because you, you ski. It's about yeah. the, that's about it. You, you look at the screen, it's a top down perspective on your gamepad. Uh, and then you can see the 3D model. Like, I liked it because they made uh, so the well, the character that you're skiing down the hill with is like Jimmy, the the blue afroed kind of pimp looking character, the disco dancer, the disco guy. Yeah, and he 
when you're looking at the big screen, he's got almost like an SSX model. Like they built out his body. He looks more like a human being. And then he still looks like a little cartoon character on your gamepad, which I love. It was also cool because the what was showing on the TV was more interesting and cinematic than what was showing on the gamepad. Because like, I feel like it, you, if you boot this game up as a multiplayer experience, you still might be interested in playing some of these single-player games, like trading back and forth with Ski or something. Yeah. But some of them, like they wouldn't show something interesting on the TV, so the other person wouldn't have anything fun to look at. Yeah. And so, like Neil was, you were Neil, you were playing this game. It's just like a tilt mechanic, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's just he's skiing downward on the gamepad screen, and you just kind of tilt it to make him twist and turn and go around the corners or not so much corners, just avoiding obstacles and trying to stay on the track. Right. So it's like, to me, like this would be a fairly intuitive one to pass back and forth. Um, and so I just appreciated they were able to show more interesting camera angles on the TV since you're going to be looking at the gamepad. Yeah. Actually, when you get to later levels, he'll be able to go through like more laps. So you can like, he'll go down a while, stop at, stop, do a dance, and you could probably pass the pad to someone else and let them play, but it'll be a bit harder because it's going to keep getting more difficult. Yeah. You know, this one, uh, it seemed fine. I think this, of of all of the games that were in this collection, I felt like this one was felt the most tossed off. Like, it was effective. Yeah, it works. Yeah, I think tossed off is a good way to put it. It's not one that's going to s- stick with you or do anything very interesting, but I wasn't mad that it was... Oh no, I'm not mad. It's it's just the least weird. It was and similar so it to like the F zero, like the F zero one in Nintendo Land made oh, yeah. me mad because it was both tossed off and very lousy. Sure. And this one didn't. Seem- yeah, no. but in the later levels, also you'll be able to pick up like the these snow bunny ski girls as you go down the hill. And I think the objective is to try and get a certain number of them before you reach the finish line. So they copied Battle Zone stuff. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Collect collect all the women that you can. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that was ever true. Like, we, we, do you think anyone's ever been like such a good skier that like they're like women are falling over them? Maybe back in the eighties. It's difficult. I, I can tell you, it's difficult to carry more than one woman with you at a time while skiing. Oh, I mean, I guess I probably would want to know what's up with the guy with the blue afro. I would follow that. I think he's like he's a big star in like Club Sugar in Diamond City, where this takes place. Yeah, he's like. So I think he's got definitely got a, a fan base and yeah. a following. He definitely has like a stupid, sexy Flanders vibe. He does. Yeah. He does. Well, the next game stars the Ninja Twins Cat and Anna, and it's called Patchwork. And this is basically, it's a cross between a jigsaw puzzle and Picross, I guess is a weird way of putting like, it. Like, it's like a jigsaw puzzle if you don't know what you're supposed to be building. That's the kind of thing I was bumping into. So basically, it's just a patchwork quilt. You're supposed to match the shapes with the pattern that you see on the screen by dragging and dropping it into the right place until it stitches together. And then by the time you're done, you're supposed to have a picture of like a flower or a lion or something like that. And I was confused by this game at first because I thought you were trying to fill in the entire grid. Yeah, well, because the grid that they give you is square and they don't tell you what you're sort of finished picture is supposed to look like they don't even give you a, i feel like it would be nice if they gave you a word that just said like horse and then you gotta like figure out oh, okay how might these fit together to make a horse right but it's also like that's where the p-cross thing kind of comes in except p-cross gives you more clues you know you can figure it out a little bit from context more than just kind of oh i'll, I'll slide this around until it fits in the slot yeah uh, but that they do give you clues it's in like the patterns mm. because it's not a blank square there's like uh there's patterns in the square but some of them are Basically, they give you what you're supposed to look for is the actual outline of the piece you're trying to fit in. 
Yeah. But the thing is, it's kind of broken up because you might find one or two lines going through it. So it's like multiple shapes being part of this one big shape you're trying to put down. Yeah. Yeah. I I I didn't I didn't like this game. Um I I I found that it was very wordy in trying to explain it to us, but I still didn't even really understand it after they had explained it. That was the same Nintendo Land complaint. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's not quite as annoying here as it was in Nintendo Land because Rosalyn or whatever that robot's name was was really annoying. Uh, but again, if you're used to more WarioWare style gameplay where it's going to go bam, 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 then this is going to feel pretty slow. I think it's also just an issue of the way this game is paced because I'm sure once we played, once you play through the game once, they don't explain you can skip or they don't explain to you every time how to play it. Yeah. But since you're only playing through each of these games once, because you run, you do a podcast and you're trying to get through them all, you're constantly bumping up against the instructions. Yes. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, all right, we get it. We get it. And patchwork was the one where they slowed it down the most. They had to explain what the hint button did. And that was, there's always a point in these Nintendo explanation games where I'm like, come on. And it was definitely here where they like draw the finger on the hint button and they're like, use this hint button and it will give you a hint. Really? And then and then the other characters like, oh, good idea. I'll give that hint button a try. And you're like, thanks for that extra dialogue. I know they need to layer on more additional dialogue on that. I mean, as a like you like you point out, you handed this game to me because it's like, oh yeah, it, Steve's a puzzle head. You know, I'm I'm always out here puzzing, just just puzzing it up. Uh, exactly, exactly. There's just layers of but don't take a black light in here. There's just puzz everywhere. Uh, but it's you know, I, I I think I had a similar reaction. You had to ski, which is like, uh, this isn't very good, but I'm not mad about it. Like it's it's fine. I'll probably just move. It was on. like a change. It felt the most different to the the other games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you play this next one? Kung Fu. Yeah. Uh, you, this is uh, some lots of ninja high jumping and eating those delicious looking uh, doughy buns. Yeah, this one yeah, was yeah. weird. It's like you're, you're, you're playing a character trying to like jump across these islands, uh, but you see it from a top down perspective on your gamepad, and he'll just jump automatically fairly high in the air. You have to tilt the gamepad forward, back, left or right to control his where he lands. This game kind of made me sick in a yeah. way that I hadn't experienced since we played Beast Wars Transmetals. Um, I think it was like the constant panning out and panning back in of the character jumping and then also rotating the system and having that, that move as well. It just, it, since I had no control over when he jumped, I kind of felt like I needed to look away sometimes to kind of get my breath. I yeah. think it's kind of like in a VR game where... If you actually use a controller to move in VR as opposed to just like teleporting from place to place, it makes you sick because yeah. you don't. And this was very much the same way is because I didn't control the characters jumping. It felt like he was moving on his own and it was off putting to me. I, I always hate that, like auto jumping kind of stuff like that, where you're just controlling where the, it's it's uh it's it's like a, a bastardized version of doodle jump or something, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But seen from a top down perspective. This one looked frustrating. I didn't play this one, but it looked frustrating. I will say, like, I didn't necessarily find it frustrating, but even if it hadn't made me sick and I didn't find it unpleasant to play, I don't think I would have found it all that interesting. No. Like, at its best, I would be like, yeah, that was something. Um, yeah. I would not recommend. I would say this next one is probably my favorite of the collection, and that is Gamer. Uh, Gamer is very clever. Gamer is basically just original WarioWare, but with this really weird twist 
So basically, you're playing as the little boy Ninevolt, who is a gaming-obsessed little boy who wants one more hour to play before bedtime. He's got his little game and watch console, uh, and you're trying to beat WarioWare-style micro games on your handheld console, so on your gamepad. But you also need to be aware of your bedroom because your mother is trying to bust you staying awake. And it's not just like she's going to pop in the door. She's also going to stalk by the window, or sometimes she's going to crawl out of the TV like in the ring. It does some really weird shit with it, and I thought it was a super clever implementation. Like, it was a really interesting way of adding an extra layer of pressure to the WarioWare formula. Yeah, you have to, like, constantly look down at the game, at the game pad to play the WarioWare game, but you have to constantly look up at the game screen to see if your mom is coming, and you'll sometimes get audio hints, like the sort of eerie ooh sound when she's walking by the window, or if she's... Or the screen goes, the TV screen goes static if it might, if she might come out of that, or you'll hear footsteps if she's coming towards the door. But a lot of times it'll be fake outs like, uh, oh, it's just the cat or it's just some hand on the TV. Yeah, it, it was really cool. And like, I, I think this is a this is a, a good way of implementing that kind of back and forth uh, uh, screen viewing. And I think the really interesting thing that we should mention about this game is that this is one of the few Wii U games where it pays to have the volume on on your gamepad at the same time as the volume on the TV. In this game in particular, like you turn up the volume on the gamepad and you're hearing 9 volts game and watch. Like you're hearing the sound effects on the game while the the uh, audio cues from your mother approaching are coming from the TV. And I thought that was very cleverly done. Um, I had a lot of respect for this game and I agree that a lot of the aspects were clever, but this is the game I was talking about earlier where having to look at what was going on in the micro games, yet sort of look up to time when your mother was going to come in was very... I did not like the experience. I found it unpleasant um, and sort of detracted from playing the micro games themselves. So I was like, this is a cool idea, but I do not enjoy this. I think my ADD just appreciated it. Like... Uh, just because that's that's just the way I do things. So it was it was a little Steve more is the dialed only into my wavelength. Will both listen to a podcast and watch a movie at the same time. Yes. He, 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 you listen to like a movie criticism podcast. Well, I'm doing my taxes with my feet right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting to that point myself. I'm like getting to the point where I'm trying to watch YouTube videos and play games at the same time. Yep. Yep. See, I do that a lot. Sometimes there are games that I just want to listen to on mute while I, I blast a podcast or something. Yeah. 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 No, I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Gamer was really fun. I mean, you, Neil, you played most of this. You kind of got us through it because this uh, this was the hardest yeah. game in the in the compilation. Yeah, and that was just the fir- first easy level. Trust me, it gets even worse at the higher difficulty levels. That is something that they've retained from the WarioWare games is that like it gets faster and harder as you go along. But you can I mean, see this one expected. becoming very legitimately stressful oh, yeah. at higher oh, difficulty. <laughs> Uh, the next game is the strangely titled Ashley. Uh, this one's weird because everything else is kind of like a one-word description of what it does, but like Ashley doesn't really tell us. Yeah, this us one a lot. should be called like Witch or something, or Broomstick, Broomstick Race. Mm-hmm. I don't know, something like that. Because basically, you're playing as the uh, witch girl Ashley, and it's a side-scrolling uh, kind of shooter, like kind of a shoot 'em up style mm-hmm. game. But you're mostly you're controlling it with tilting and you're trying to collect a bunch of jewels and shoot a bunch of cookies. Yeah. The thing is that uh, the shooting's done automatically. She yeah. just shoots lightning at all the, she's trapped in this sweet cookie world and she's trying to escape. So, <laughs> Oh man, I want to go <laughs> to sweet cookie world. 
but she's but but the enemies are cookies and she just magically saps them with lightning automatically. All you're doing is trying to maneuver her up and down as she goes along. Every now and then you have to do like an upward loop or a downward loop to capture all these little like magic energy jewels. Now, were you doing the loop to loops on? Were you controlling that, or does she yeah, automatically you, go no, into the loop to loop? You control you? it by using the L and R buttons. Oh, button. it's a button tab. It's not. Yeah, it's not a tilting mechanism. Yeah, to like rotate the whole gamepad around. I, this one seemed fun, but I would say the issue with this was that it was a very similar mechanically to Ski. Yeah. Um, Neil ended up playing both of these, and so I felt like, oh, those both feel pretty much the same. You just like I think that the gamepad is rotated in a different direction. Like you're holding it yeah. vertically in ski and horizontally here. Yeah. And again, it was very similar to ski. I didn't have a problem with it, but no. I was like, okay, this. Does. It seemed like it had maybe a little more going on than in ski. Yeah, definitely. You have more enemies and actually can take damage, but instead of like dying, you just like she just eventually gets mad, and you have to like pat her on the head on the gamepad to calm yeah. her down. That's that's a little strange to me. Yeah, that's like, I don't know, because she's a very young child. Patting someone on the head does not calm them down. I tried that. We had some upset patrons at the library. Came up, I tried to pat them on the head. It did not. It did not solve my problem. Let me tell you that. You know. It does not go well. All right, the next one I thought was also really cool, but very frustrating, uh, and that's called Design. Uh, and this one... You're basically you're you're asked to draw patterns on your gamepad to help design a robot. So it's it tells you to draw like a line segment that's 2.5 inches long, and you have to do your best guesstimate of what that is. Another one that says uh, uh, do a, a 45 degree angle or something like that. So uh, it's it's tough for people like I think all of us in this room who are not really great with spatial reasoning and aren't really good at guesstimating like, Oh, okay. That's like 12 inches law or whatever, you know, like it, I'm not very good at just sizing things up like that at a glance, uh, which is why I'm 12 feet tall. <laughs> this was very much, uh, reminded me of that game in Nintendo land where you had to draw a path through the fruit for Yoshi, right, where you, liked, yeah. yeah, where you yeah. couldn't see what you're doing. Cause it is, and it, I think this is cool because it's very much a unique thing. Like, there'd be no other kind of console that you could really do this on yeah. um, in a very satisfying... I guess, like, DS or something, but not like a home console. <laughs> yeah. And um, it just sort of stretches a different part of your brain than other games, yeah. even though I don't... I don't necessarily find guesstimating lengths to be like my idea of a good time. When I let me tell you, when I come home after a long day of work, I I, I scratch off all the numbers on my rulers. That's perfect. Yeah, uh, you know, I I think this is a game that potentially could help you get better at things like that. Like if you practice it long enough and just be like, oh, okay, now I've got a good idea of what one inch looks like. What like. I, I will say, like, my proud moment here is that I nailed the 14-inch squiggly line exact 14.0 inches first try, and that was just a blind guess. I just assumed it would be, like... It's going to have to remain a mystery how Steve is so familiar with 14 inches. Hey, you know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to uh, dissuade people from thinking about that. Of course, uh, I have to admit that in order to get the highest score in this game, I... Kind of cheated and had to use an actual ruler. Oh, you, used a, you put a ruler on your gamepad? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the Wii U equivalent of putting the Duck Hunt zapper right up to the screen. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you have a protractor, too, for the angles? Yeah, I, I think I had to use that for the angles as well. <laughs> that's so good. That's the best way to approach it. Yeah, this was a cool one. Um, 
The next one is really strange, but it worked really well. I was the one who played this. It's called Taxi. Taxi is a very uh, unusual kind of hybrid between like crazy taxi and a first person shooter. It's so strange. You play as a couple of cab driving dogs, a dog and a cat driving a cab and uh, aliens are trying to abduct people in this farm town and you need to drive up close to them, shoot down the aliens with a bazooka, save the person who falls from the uh, helicopter or from the UFO and drive them to a location to drop them off. And so like on your gamepad, you're seeing this from a first person view and yeah. then on this TV, you're seeing like an isometric sort of like super off-road style. Right. Yeah. And the game, when you're looking at it from the gamepad view, it's kind of like a uh, like a, a 3D dot game heroes kind of kind of style, like old, yeah. intentionally like 3D retro kind of thing. We're driving around this pixelated like Minecraft world, and then you aim your bazooka with the gyroscope in the Wii U. Uh, this was a really weird combination of elements. I found the driving to be much easier if I just looked at the screen, and I think that's my... Oh, yeah, the TV, right? Yeah, like... Ex- that's true, that's true. Uh, when I looked at the TV, because I think maybe I'm just more used to, like, RC Pro-Am and, like, Super well, and you just and games get like that. a much better idea of what the space is and where the obstacles are. Exactly. But I didn't find it too difficult to, like, quickly look down and aim around and shoot at the, the UFOs. This one's fun. This one's really weird and really fun. Uh probably the most intricate and complicated like just the first level has a bunch of different stages it's like drive around rescue people then defeat the mothership then collect like stars that it scatters about and there's also um like five treasure chests strewn throughout the level in secret area yeah Yeah. there's like one behind the silo that you'll find you'll see a cracked wall behind the silo shoot it and You'll reveal a chest, and some will pop out if you shoot some of the trees. And like it's clever because since it's behind the silo and the TV screen is just static, you would never see that cracked wall unless you're looking at it in the gamepad. Yeah, the thing about the environments in this game is they have to actually explore them a bit in order, in the first-person view, to find all the secret chests and stuff. Yeah. Uh, the last game that we had, well, not even the last game, but this technically was the final boss of the game, uh, a mini game called Pirates, and Woody played this one. This is a rhythm action game where you're fighting a pirate-themed Wario. Uh, and uh, tell us a little bit about your experience with it. Well, this. sure. It was a little odd because, like, there's a sort of pirate coin that instructs you on how to play the game, and that just has like the weird, like, robotic Siri voice. Yeah. But then the pirate Wario himself kind of has a fun. He yeah. sounds like, like the captain, captain of SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. we're all about. We're all about um, that. Yeah. I was ready, kids. I was. Uh, I can't hear you. Yeah. Um, in this game, you use essentially the Wii U as a sh- the gamepad as a shield. Don't use the actual console as a shield. Yes. We've um, and you. Yeah, yeah you have. Uh, there's four ships. One to your left, center, and right. Um, and, and, one and, above. and one above. Thank you, Neil. And um, basically, he will call center. It's kind of like a Simon Says type of thing or a Parappa the Rapper you you, yeah. you compared it to. Um, is like he'll say center, right, center. And then you sort of there's an in rhythm. You raise it to the center and then you move it right. And then you move center and these sort of suction cup arrows you'll block. And then you lower it down also in rhythm to drop them off. Yeah. Um, I... It grew on me yeah. um, once once it started going faster and I was feeling the rhythm a little bit. The problem that I have with a lot of... I feel like rhythm games don't work very well 
unless it's a song that I know or that feels like an actual song. Sure, yeah. Like, that's always my... Like, Rock Band, Guitar Hero, I'm all about it. Like, oh, it's yeah. great. because I like, have some sense of what the rhythm is going to be. Yeah, but when it's just kind of like, this is not a song, it's just like, bump, 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 bump. It's like, I don't know what 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 I'm sort of going along with. And, and there was a weird moment at the end once you like beat him that you had to go into these kind of just dance style poses, but like it wasn't clear how the game was monitoring that. You did get a low grade on your enthusiasm for it though. Which, yeah. which may be true of this podcast in general. <laughs> <laughs> enthusiasm? C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so then beating Pirates unlocked a very long credit sequence, which was really annoying because it's just a long... It's a long, unskippable list of all the characters in the game. It's not even the people who made the game. It's the characters. I mean, they're keeping the meta because the implication is that you're playing the game that Wario and his friends made. Right. But Yeah, yeah I guess we should say there is a very loose framing device of a plot that's just Wario making a game, but that's WarioWare. Right. That's every WarioWare But yeah, it's, it's pretty lame because it's just a black screen on the TV with their names, and then on the gamepad it shows you their picture. But it's like, yeah, I already met all these characters. I don't care. And then after that, we did get two bonus minigames, only one of which we played. There was bowling, um, and bowling is bowling. Bowling is pretty self-explanatory. The only difference, Neil, you can tell us the difference yeah, there a like little bit. Yeah, it's like you're bowling, but you use the bo- the pad to swipe up and send the bowling ball. But the catch is you can, like, turn it and rotate it to, like, steer the ball. Yeah. So steer and control the ball as it goes down the lane before it hits the pins. It's not like 10 pins. It's just like one character shaped well, pin. Too. Well, yeah. We just went through the introduction. Once you get past that and start playing the game proper, you'll get like full more pins. Like, okay. And all the pins are like not regular bowling pin shape. They're like shaped af- after the main cast. And so tell us about the only game that we didn't get to. Uh, it's called Bird, and that's like we wanted to make a little time to play the multiplayer games. But, so Bird was the only one we didn't unlock. What can you tell us about that game? Uh, I haven't gotten – I can't remember now. It was okay. Like, it's been a long time. I'm ashamed we didn't get to that one. But I'm, 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 I'm throwing myself on the pyre immediately yeah. after this. All I know is that it's based on that one game character, Pyoro, who was like the inspiration for Wario becoming a game designer in the first place. Well, Steve, I'm appointing you official bird watcher, bird correspondent. Next episode of Ultra 64, I want you to have unlocked bird and played it and tell us about bird. And if we have to erase this previous podcast and re-record the whole thing. I, I will I will have birded the next time we meet. Flip us the bird will be I the will, name of the I section. Will flip the bird over to you. But real quick, I want to talk about the four multiplayer games. Well, it doesn't games have to be here. real quick because I I feel like the ones we talked about should have been the real quick ones because like weirdly, there were twelve of them and yeah. we're like all right let's get through these and some of them it did kind of feel like all right let's get through this and then uh, we we were feeling a little tired by the time we came to multiplayer. It's like oh, okay yeah. now we still got four more of these and you know what they wound up kind of being the secret weapon. Yeah, it kind of being wound up being the best part of this game is these four weird little multiplayer modes. Uh, we'll start with Disco. So Disco uh, is one of the weirdest implementations I've seen of the gamepad to date. So it's basically like a dance battle mode where Woody and I played and like we each have to take an end of the gamepad and then like tap on the screen. Yeah, and then like it's you need to tap out a rhythm of your choice that kind of matches the general beat that you're being given. And then the player on the other side has to match that rhythm to block the attacks. 
Uh, Did you ever play? There's a weird oh crap. There's a weird old board game. It's not even really a board game where you would have like these little launchers on either end, and you would just like shoot these pellets at each other and try to like oh crossfire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crossfire. <laughs> had, I remember those commercials it, very distinctly. It had a very similar vibe to that. Um, I'm gonna say something weird here, and I apologize. I feel like this was like the most erotic game that we have ever played. <laughs> For this podcast, it was, it was like, intimate. It was it, very it, intimate. It's a weird. I don't know if I've ever had that kind of experience. Like, because yeah. what other video game do you play? Like sitting across from someone, essentially staring right at. Like it's like un- holding hands almost. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like kind of an uncomfortable amount of eye contact. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, it was kind of cool in its own weird way of just like this feels very different and you feel yeah. very connected with the person because the, yeah. the unlike crossfire like the wii u gamepad not very big so no you're no no close to the other person and the the thing that kind of dragged this mode down you pointed out while we were playing too is that like they keep with each round they're mixing up the beat and uh some beats are going to be a little bit easier to get on board with and then others are going to be a little weird and you can lose points if you tap if you send out an attack out of the beat. Right. You can only have an attack succeed and attack the other person if it's on beat. And there were a couple moments that like were really awesome where like you would ha- you would be on beat and send out the attack, but then yeah. I would also be on beat because it was like clear what the beat was and be able to mimic it. I, I think that this game would be a lot better mm. if it was like you just chose a song and it just played through that song as opposed to every round, like every attack and defense round, it just switched to some other random. Beat. Yeah, it's like it's like disco to country to techno to like it's bouncing back and forth, and so you don't re- you you have trouble, and it's bringing back the micro game kind of idea. But I don't know that it necessarily works in this format quite as well. But this was still a, one of the more creative uses yeah. of the gamepad I've seen. It, w- it was so. really weird and clever, and like for the kind of maybe half the time where it really felt like it was working like it should. It was kind of unlike any other game that I've ever played, any other video game, which is not a thing you could say. It's not very often. No, no. And uh, I I appreciated the weirdness of it. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of like Crypt of the Necro Dancer or Cadence of Hyrule in that like you really need to kind of dial into its to its wavelength before it starts to feel natural. But like once you kind of get into the groove of it, it's pretty cool. Uh, here's one that we all played. Uh, it's called Islands, and Islands is an odd game to describe because it's it's, it's kind of little... like Angry Birds plus shuffleboard. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of yeah. curling in there. Like it's it's uh, it's very I mean, curling and shuffleboard are basically the same sport, you know. But I mean, we do have <laughs> listeners uh, north of the border. Like I wanted to translate it for them so they understand. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, basically you you have a bunch of little guys called fronks. They're little uh F R O N K sponges with little tiny hands. Yeah, or like or like bitmap uh uh characters with Bart Simpson haircuts, I guess. They're weird. Yeah, yeah they're just basically very these funny little pixelated creatures that have been around in WarioWare since the the beginning. Yeah, they they popped up earlier in like the shutter mode. Like you would get bonus points if you took a picture of a fronk. They're like the equivalent of the minions. Yeah. The WarioWare yeah. minions. And so like you said, this game is only played on the gamepad. So we would take turns like handing the pad back and forth. And similar to Arrow, you would kind of pull back a net and try and launch five fronks at a time. 
and try and get them to land on one of four islands that are kind of floating around in the stage. And it's worth noting, like, there's different stages. Like, yeah. we chose the one where the islands were all disparate, so you could easily knock guys in the water. But there's one where there's just a big roulette wheel in yeah. the middle of the stage yeah. with different point values. Yeah, yeah, different different layouts of it. But the wheels on the island are constantly turning around. Like, there's an arrow, and it's kind of pointing around. So And there's a, there's a point value listed on the island. Uh, so when you land your characters on it, uh, as many as will actually land, you'll you'll take off in the direction that the arrow is pointing. The island will move off like a bumper car into the direction it's going. And if it hits something, it'll set the roulette wheel of the the scorekeeping going. So uh, this this one, it's weird to describe. I'm having trouble kind of describing well, it. Like, I, I think, yeah, yeah, I think that the basic mechanic of kind of just slingshotting guys onto the islands was pretty simple and intuitive. Yeah. Things just got a little wonky with the scorekeeping because it's like once you l- it landed on an island, like the score would randomly change to a different point value. Or if you hit somebody, you knock someone else's island that would also set theirs to a different point value. It was hard to wrap your head around the way the scoring that this game worked, and I think that might have been due to the particular level that we were playing on. Yeah. But I think that, like, I I found the actual launching and sort of shuffleboard style to be fun. Yeah, yeah. And I think that a different, probably a different level would have been the way to go, but I would happily play that mode again. And I think, Neil, you pointed out, too, that, like, you were having, like, we were having trouble figuring out what the strategy necessarily is supposed yeah. to be. At first, I thought, I was like, maybe you should put as many fronks on as many different platforms. But then you suggested maybe we should try and put all your fronks on one pl- platform. Well, because it's played over multiple rounds. So, if, like, if, if you have a fronk yeah. and I have a fronk and they're on the same a platform and then I launch more fronks there, it will give us both points. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to help these people. These are. Exactly. Exactly. It, it was fun. I think it, it took maybe a little bit more explanation than it needed, yeah. and it was a little more opaque than some of the other multiplayer games. But I, I enjoyed what's here. Like, and I think it's clever. Uh, the next one is uh, pretty straightforward. It's just called Sketch, and it's basically just Pictionary. If you've ever played Pictionary, that's what it is. Uh, one person uses the gamepad to draw a prompt that's written up on the screen, and then the other player tries to yell at a guess. Once that player gets it, then you hit the correct button on the gamepad and you move on to the next one. Or you can take a 20-second penalty on your time limit by skipping some of the hard ones. Uh, this was fun. I mean, Pictionary is fun. Pictionary it, it just, is it fun. Is. And uh, to, to sort of dislike, to say like, oh, it's just Pictionary is accurate because that is yeah. all it is. But oh, like, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of strong points that this has over Pictionary, which is like... Pictionary, like, you need a whiteboard or you need a place to be able to draw that, yeah. like, everyone else can see you. You need to go through lots of... Pay- like, I don't know, with any board game, there's, like, setup involved. And it's cool here that you could sort of just drop into it, have it easily make the teams. And I don't know. I, I Just, like, the user-friendly of how intuitive this was worked very well. There's yeah. also... I really did enjoy... This was something I think I complained about in Nintendo Land, but, like, where you use the camera to take your picture at the start of it. Sure. Because they give you some, like, goofy Snapchat-style filters, and we look like real... Yeah, we made ourselves (laughs) look like monsters with weird, warpy faces, uh, which is totally fine with me. Uh, I liked this one... The big issue I was running into with this game is that I kept bumping the complete button with my finger before it was actually complete. So, like, sometimes the game would be... So you need to kind of watch that. Uh, it's a little sensitive in that well, regard. Honor system involved. But. Yeah. And, uh, but we learned that I can draw the hell out of a snowboarder. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, you got, yeah, you got very yeah. lucky. You got snowboarder, and then the next thing you draw was surf. Yeah, I was immediately trying to just draw the same thing. I'm like, it worked. It worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was basically the same. 
All right, and the last game that we played uh, was maybe one of my favorites of the whole compilation, and that's called Fruit. And this one seems really strange on first blush. We weren't really sure how it was all going to kind of come together. I think in the end, what I liked about it is that it felt a lot like a Jackbox game, Mm -hmm. which, uh, which really worked in its favor. It's essentially this weird compilation of Where's Waldo and, like, Mafia, where one person is... A, th- a fruit thief walking around a stage. You know, that lucrative job. Sure, yeah. He's got a top hat. He's got a cape. You know he's up to no good. Uh, and he walks around in this very crowded environment with a lot of, like, lookalike characters that are always milling about. And uh, the player with the gamepad is the thief, and they try need to try and steal the fruit without the players watching the TV noticing. And then at the end of the round, you have to guess. The, the two players watching the TV have to guess who the thief is. And you have some context clues, like every 30 seconds or so, the game will freeze and show you kind of a general area of where the thief is. And so it'll kind of give you a little clue of what to watch out for. Otherwise, you're just like watching the screen eagle-eyed trying to see when a fruit disappears. And it was weirdly engaging. It was weirdly engaging. And it was cool. And it's all, we, we were wondering, like, how does this work if you're only only one person is using the gamepad? Yeah. But you just you, there was like cool moments where like you stood up and were like actually pointing at the television being like i think it's this guy you're getting and into it. yeah it's just it was cool to sort of i don't know a couple of these games just sort of rewired what you're used to in gaming and this one worked well oh this was a great one i was like the first time i played i was actually managed to outsmart you guys i figured mm-hmm. the secret is you have to move along with the crowds to not stand out because if you're just oh. moving wiggling or stopping around randomly you're going to stand out but if you keep moving with the crowds, you you'll blend right in with them, and sometimes that means having to walk by a fruit without stealing it. Right? Yeah, I feel like this this is the cool sort of asymmetrical game where it, I felt like it was fun and involving for both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Like, and, and it's yeah, like I said, the Jackbox games have a way of kind of bringing spectators into it in a in a way that I think this game does as well. Like, I would break this out at a party. Like, I would bring people over. Like, let's let's play fruit. You know, yeah, why you, not? You can have up to like four, five players playing one thief and uh, four agents looking for the thief. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the Jackbox comparison is very apt because like people love those Jackbox games. Now, and well, like, well, they should. They're very cool and innovative. But like most of those packs you get, there's about three games in there that you're like excited for. And then there's two others that are like, uh, you know, they're yeah, fine. there's two very or then there's usually one super terrible one. Um but like this has at least that hit rate. Like yeah. there's way more games here. Yeah. Um. But like I would happily play any of these multiplayer games. I I think I would too. Like yeah, I'm, I was I was pretty into all of these. Which uh, does that bring us up to our rankings? Are we are we ready to close the book um, on this on. one? Hold on, I got some oh, things got I need more. to bring up. Sure. First, there's also the uh, the cluck a pop that's a part of the game. Oh, that's oh like, yeah. This is very very important. This is yeah. pause everything. It's time for chicken anus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's this gotcha capsule machine called the Cluck-A-Pop because during when you play the games, when you complete them the first time, or you'll get these little tokens, and you can find them sometimes hidden around in the other all the various single-player games. Yeah. And what you do with them is you take them to the Cluck-A-Pop machine to get little toy capsules, and inside will be all sorts of little neat toys or photos and stuff like sometimes they'll have gameplay hints sometimes they'll have toys like uh fortune tellers or like uh 
phone numbers you can call that turn your gamepad into a phone. That's but so the, weird. Um, yeah, but the, the instead of numbers, it's symbols who all make a weird, funny noise, and whoever you call will be something like a evil supervillain or a Wario Man or some tough guy or a, some random lady or you know, just random people, weirdest ra- random so people. Random <laughs> beep, 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 boop, boop. Hey, random lady. But then there's also like you'll unlock like the mini games from game the micro games from gamer, lots of toys like stuff that, like blo- things that involve blowing in the microphone or like a there's one that's kind of like a dog translator where you speak into it and it just comes out as dog barks. Good, we all could use Steve could use one of those. I need more. Yeah, my dogs Basically, aren't here this week. I I need some to bark at me. If the more you unlock, you'll you'll unlock more of these fun great toys to play with. Yeah. But, it's something that was came right out of like WarioWare Touch. I was really impressed by like the quantity of content in this game. It's so easy to feel like you're just like breeze through a minigame collection and you've seen everything. Yeah. And here, like it a took us a while to play all these minigames, even just once for the first time. Yeah. And then B, I could really see how a lot of them would really mix up. Like especially like the taxi one, like you're gonna drive through different levels each time. And so I could really see putting multiple playthroughs in here. Oh, definitely. And definitely. the neat thing is, once you've collected all the toys, the click pot machine changes into like one of those coin-pushing arcade machines. Nice. Oh, when you try to knock them, like... The yeah. I never got the point of those. those so what is the point? Do you see them, and you're like, oh my god, there's so many tokens there ready to get knocked off, and you dropped in a token, and then you just... I was... I... I was waiting for a date to arrive at the local arcade and I was just standing next to that thing and she was maybe like 10 minutes late. I must have put like 20 bucks in that thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, it's so close to just knocking all those off and I got like a bunch of tickets the first time yeah. and then she arrived and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm all out of money. Yeah. <laughs> yes. well, Worth well, it. I actually did pretty good on those at an arcade in Bellevue where they, I mean, I actually managed to acquire like Nine thousand tickets to buy like a poker set at the wow. table there. Dang! I, I figured out the secret is to know when to put the coin in so it manages to push all the other coins. The secret is to back up across the arcade and then run full speed at the machine and smash it Wario style with your shoulder. I got in trouble doing that in an arcade once when I was a kid, like shaking that that thing. Cause I'm like, they're just right there. Like I don't even need to put a token in. Why did they not think of this? And then I got kicked out of the arcade. Um, well, let's move on to our rankings here because we still have a couple of letters to get through as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so each week we are ranking the different games we have just played in this compilation. Uh, I will go first on this one. Uh, this game really took me by surprise. I was very, uh, I, I'd heard kind of nothing but bad things about this one. And so I was really surprised to learn that it's it's a pretty fun, like it, it is a little derivative uh, of Nintendo land, obviously having been developed uh, simultaneously with it. But I think it does a lot of things that Nintendo land does better. Uh, yeah. This game is no question. This game is better than Nintendo. Um, so I'm putting this just under Tekken tag tournament two, which I believe it makes it my number four yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. Which I stand by. Yeah. Uh, well, you're number five game. Oh, number five. Uh, number five yeah. Uh, boy, I'm I'm very much in the same boat as you. Like, I didn't mind any of the mini games in single player as we were playing them. I still think even if it was just the single player content, I think it would be toe to toe with Nintendo Land. Absolutely. But I think the multiplayer games are generally better. Mm-hmm. 
I have this very weird thing on my list of Mass Effect 3 being there that is just such a weird placeholder of like, this is a game that I basically never played, and I just have to take your word that it's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, but you know, look, all I can base it on is the time that I've spent playing this game, and I had a much better time playing this game than I did playing Mass Effect 3, and you know... Sure, why the hell not? I'm putting this at number three, which is ahead of Tekken Tag Tournament, wow, behind nice. Super Mario 3D World and Shovel Knight. Cause what, I'm not mad about that. Yeah, what else I will say is this game feels like it's part of the Wii. Like, it oh. feels like... Okay. Because I was thinking about this earlier. I'm like, I feel like the new thesis for this podcast is like, does the Wii U offer anything? That's the question that we're seeking to ask. And right. I feel like so far the answer has been no. Right. But I feel like at this point it's like, oh... It has these, these very specific kind of mini game collections that you can't really find anywhere that, else. That wouldn't play right, like, yeah, that, like, maybe Jackbox would be a comparable experience, yeah. but this would have been much, sort of ahead of that. Um, and it was just very neat in something like Tekken or Mass Effect. You're, those games, much more fully featured, probably better games, but you're going to want to play them on a different system. Exactly. You're not going to play your game in Wario on a different system, because you can't. Right, you'll, you'll, I mean, the... Tag tournament might be the one exception where, like, they have enough features to make it, like, all right, this is worth playing only on the Wii U. You do. You do. Uh, And, Neil, where does this, I mean, you, this is the only episode you've guessed it on so far, but where do you think this one ranks for you in the the Wii U catalog in general? Uh, For me, I think this is going to be perhaps my top game. Wow. This is, like, I guess this is the game that makes the best and most use of the Wii U's features. And it's one I always like to go back to when I feel that WarioWare itch. Yeah. I I mean, I I fully support all of these high rankings for this game. I'm very pleasantly surprised by Game and Wario. Uh, props to them. We have a couple of letters this week. I just want to jump into those. Hey, Steve, Woody, and possible guest. Hey, boy, we have, uh, yeah. I love it when we have a possible guest when yeah. they, they, because this has been a bit in almost every letter we've ever gotten. Uh, on your Unwritten Tales episode, you guys mentioned the Nancy Drew point-and-click adventure games, and you said you don't know anyone who has played them. When I was growing up, two of my cousins loved them. When we were 10 years old, they were just scary and challenging enough to be a good time, but I feel like if I went back to play them now, they would run into all the problems of the adventure game genre. My two cousins have literally bought and played every one of the Nancy Drew games, despite... Nancy Drew games, do you think they are? Oh, I don't know. There's probably at least five, yeah. I was going to say, there's probably like 20. Oh, that that might even be closer, because they ported it to a couple different things. Uh, Despite knowing that these games aren't great and are also pointed at girls half their age or younger, I think it has become a tradition for the two of them at this point when a new one comes out to get it together and beat the new game. Uh, Do you guys have any games that are relevant to you and another person in that way? I love the podcast. I was delighted to hear the song from Mickey Unwrapped at the end of the Epic Mickey episode. I had that on cassette when I was a kid, and I cannot believe my parents didn't smash into a thousand pieces, given how much I listened to it. And that is from Elliot. Thank you, Elliot, for writing. Uh, So games that are relevant to you and another person that wouldn't necessarily be relevant to anyone else. I feel like you and, not not to answer this question for you, but I feel like you and Lindsay have kind of a connection over like horror games. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of our thing. Like, uh, uh, yeah, just pretty much any time there's a survival horror game, like, or or the, I think we played all the Uncharted games together too. So, yeah, I think I think those would qualify for me. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. I have I have fond memories of playing through. It, it's very hard to play through an entire game on co-op uh, on co-op and like have that person stick with you the whole time and right. like actually make it through. And I have very fond memories of playing through. Uh, 
The Simpsons game, oh, yeah. which is is a very fun co-op game and very funny, even if it's not a spectacular game. Sure. Um, I also have fond memories of college um, where Scott and I would just play Mortal Kombat Trilogy in a very specific way that was only entertaining to us, where we would only play against Raiden, as Raiden or Jax and just be flying across the screen constantly. Um <laughs> I also had another friend in college who was also very good at NBA hang time, and oh. we would have a lot of very exciting close matches. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I, I probably told this story before, but one of the first nights that I spent in my college dorm, um, the, the RA came and knocked on our door and told us we were being too loud because Scott and I were playing Mortal Kombat, which is maybe the la- like That is very telling of how lame I was in college and can, how lame I continue to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's most of the noise complaints anyway. Yeah, Neil, do you have one, like a, a game that's kind of just special to you and, and maybe um, one other person? Uh, I'm not sure about like being like kind of exclusive or anything, but I mean, I didn't have... Fun sharing games like Kingdom Hearts with my sister Rose, mm. and she and I we both play like the Elder Scrolls games. I mean, she got into those before I did. Oh, she kind okay. of introduced me to them, and she's gotten into like the Fallout games. So we kind of share that. Other than that, Noah, not really. No. Well, that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. We have one last letter here. Uh, hey guys, just wanted to say I'm really enjoying your podcast. Some dude posted it on r slash Nintendo casual this week. So I thought I would check it out. Glad I did. I just started listening to your early episodes, Castlevania 64, Quest 64, etc. As a Nintendo <laughs> super nerd, your podcast of game specific episodes makes my daily commute a good time and a little quicker. Thanks again. And that's from Jace. Stay under the speed limit, Jace. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, and I wanted to shout out this uh, Reddit community that I didn't know existed, but r slash Nintendo Casual. Uh, I don't know if you're supposed to pronounce the R. I'm never on Reddit, like literally never. I will say users who are part of various Reddit subreddits post us on post us if we're related in any way. Yeah. Please post our podcast there. Yeah, yeah. Post us on uh, r N64 uh, before our final episode, and I feel like I got a couple new listeners yeah, there. Yeah, please, so. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, I also, who was, who was that gentleman who sent me a very thoughtful oh, letter? Oh, uh, J-Mo. Was yeah, J-Mo, I really appreciate your letter. Um, it was it was the very thoughtful. It, it cheered me up. Um, so th- thank you very much. Yeah, that was that was very kind. Thank you. That was more of a personal letter, but it was still very nice, and we, we that, was, that was kind of you to send. Uh, all right, so that is it for today. Neil, thank you so much for being here and lending your game and Wario expertise. Sure, we and really uh, appreciate I need it. to fit one more thing in here. Oh, it's, sure. It's from my uh, the last time I was on the show talking about Mischief Makers. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. The going to the Wayback Machine. When I went into that episode, I thought I was going in with all of us about to sing the praises of this game, mm, yeah. which is why I did not have a, a good defense to explain and justify it. So to all the Mischief Maker fans out there, I, I'm sorry I could not um, <laughs> properly defend one of our favorite games. <laughs> yeah. The Makey Boys. I like that one better. Uh, all right. Well, next week uh, we are going to be uh, – we're, we're going fishing. We're going to be playing Rapala Pro Bass Fishing. 
And we're also going to be readdressing an episode that we had to remove. We'll go into that in a little more uh, uh, detail. But we're going to be talking again about the Cabela's hunting games. We did record an episode on it. We had to pull it from the main feed. We'll, we'll go into that next week. But we're going hunting and fishing next week is the uh, the long and the short of it. One of the great punishments of the podcast is that we have to play those fucking games oh, twice. God. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to play them again. Like, I feel like I'm pretty fresh. I feel like, I, feel like I have flushed them from my brain. So yeah. I feel like I need to at least... But it would be nice because I feel like uh, we played those games before and I realized that I hated the Wii. And then I've since played Metroid Prime 3. I'm like, okay, maybe I don't hate the Wii. Maybe not all Wii games are broken like Hashtag this. Hashtag not all Wii. Yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll give those a, a little dust off and we'll, uh, we'll catch up on those games again. So tune in next week, hunting and fishing. It should be a good one. Uh, until then, you have, to pro- you have to prolong it, prolong it yeah. for, the, for yeah. the sexual power of it. Yeah. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.